Hello, my name is Justy, and welcome to another episode of 10 Podcast 9. This week, we look into the bloody history of the werewolf. First off, what is a werewolf? Well, a werewolf, simply put, is a person who transforms into a wolf under a full moon. It is said you can tell a werewolf when they're in their human form by some distinguishing features. Joined eyebrows, low set ears, and curled fingernails are just some of these tells. The story of the werewolf is a global story. From Europe to Asia, the Caribbean to the Balkans, there are stories of this affliction. It is not known exactly when or where the werewolf originated. Some believe the first appearance was in the Epic of Gilgamesh, a Sumerian story considered to be the very first great literature, wrote around 2600 BC, set in Mesopotamia, modern-day southern Iraq. It reflects on the goddess of love and fertility, Ishtar, whom after being rejected by Gilgamesh, encourages a young shepherd that was in love with her to leave offerings and devote himself to her. However, Ishtar has an axe to grind due to Gilgamesh's snub. Growing bored of the shepherd's devotion, she transforms him into a wolf. If that's not bad enough, his own wolves, hand-raised by him, tear the shepherd limb from limb. An ironic fate. Many, however, do not consider this to be the first werewolf. I mean, he was transformed into a wolf, then killed. No transformation by full moon, no howling at the sky or terrorizing villages. Others attribute the first werewolf to have been written by Roman courtier Petronius in 61 AD in his work The Satyricon. One of the stories tells tale of a soldier named Nisirius traversing the land with an acquaintance. They stop at a graveyard to, let's just say, relieve themselves. As Nasirius turns his back, he heard an evil, guttural laugh. Swiftly, he turned to see his acquaintance, not only after relieving his bladder, but now having relieved himself of his clothes, which were thrown on the ground and had turned into stone. The man was standing there, naked, urinating in a circle around him. Under the moonlight in his vile circle, The man started screaming in agony and proceeded to take the form of an animal. Bones breaking, twisting and disjointing, skin stretching and ripping as ligaments and bones snapped. Before Nasirius' very eyes, his companion had changed, transformed into a wolf, a werewolf. The wolf sent a deafening howl to the moon, then ran to a nearby town, terrorizing its people and eating its children. Was this case zero, the first true account of a werewolf? Or was it a curse for desecrating sacred ground? Either way, this is considered to be the first true werewolf, mainly because it tells tale of a man transforming into a wolf under the full white moon. Not like the young shepherd, who was merely punished out of boredom for loving the wrong woman. 
There are other types of werewolves too, called lichens. A lichen, unlike the werewolf who cannot control their transformation once the moon is full, can transform into a wolf at will and is said to be smarter than the werewolf and of a religious background. The werewolf being from a background steeped in witchcraft and curses. Other differences? How to kill them. The werewolf, as I'm sure most of you know if you're listening to this podcast, can be killed with pure silver, piercing the heart or the head. Silver chisels, pure silver axes, and more recently silver bullets have been known to stop a werewolf. As for a lichen, that's a little more difficult. You need to get close enough to be able to completely sever the spine, disconnecting it from the brain, stopping all the motor functions. I hope for my sake, I never have to do either. And speaking of lichens, we have to give an honourable mention to lycanthropy, the medical term describing a person who truly believes they are in the process of turning into or have fully transformed into a werewolf. It is a rare psychiatric syndrome that affects the brain's cortex or outer layer, the part of the brain responsible for movement and sensation. Since 1850, there have been 13 case reports of lycanthropy, as discovered by Dutch psychiatrist Dr. Jan Dirk Blom. Blom who was an assistant professor of psychiatry in the University of Groningen, was fascinated at the prospect of treating someone who thought they were a werewolf, so searched through the archives of psychiatry to see just how common it was. Of 56 cases of people who thought they were physically changing into animals, 34 of which were men and 22 women, only 13 met the criteria for clinical lycanthropy. The first case report was a man committed to an asylum in Nancy, France, 1852. He was convinced he had fully turned into a wolf, pulling at his mouth to show his elongated fangs and showing the thick hair that had covered his body. The man would eat nothing but raw meat and when given to him would refuse to eat if it was not rotted enough. He would regularly try to attack doctors and nurses in the asylum, trying to rip at their skin with his long nails and trying to pierce their arteries to feed on their flesh, as a wolf would in the wild. It is not known what exactly the man died of. Some write he died of the rotten flesh he consumed, in turn rotting his insides. Others say the staff of the asylum killed him and buried the body in an unmarked grave. Others think the man may have escaped the asylum, being responsible for many murders that happened in the coming months in the area that seemed to be vicious animal attacks on women and children. I'll leave you to make up your own mind the true outcome. Now, I do want to point out, these are medical case reports of lycanthropy, werewolves as previously mentioned have been around since the very first literatures. This brings us to a tale of a werewolf. It was a cold, dark night in the rural countryside 
of Poligny, France, in 1521. A farmer walked along a dirt road after finishing work in his field for the night. The muddy walkway he paced along was only illuminated by the bright glow of the full moon. It was a damp night, and a smell of wet leaves rose to greet his nose as the fog began to pour around him from the fields. Coming up to an embankment, the farmer heard rustling in the overgrown bushes in the field to his right. Walking slowly to the wall, he tried to see if he could make out what was there. A massive beast leapt out of the darkness, setting itself upon him. It was an enormous wolf, perching on his chest, pressing its weight over him, the beam of the moonlight glistening off the wolf's white teeth. The man could feel the warmth of the wolf's breath, coming in heavy pants, as saliva dripped from the animal's rabid mouth and onto his clothes. It took everything in the man's body to push the wolf off him, swiftly lifting himself up and reaching for his newly acquired wheel lock. It was readied in an instant and aimed directly at the beast. He pulled the trigger. A loud bang echoed the countryside, followed by a blinding flash, lighting up the surrounding area as if it were morning. When the dust settled and the smoke cleared, he could see the wolf galloping up the road, weaving from side to side, hurt. He ran after it, noticing pools of blood on the ground every few steps. He knew now he hit the wolf, and he knew it was hurt. As he reached a crossroads, he could see no sign of the wolf, but then heard a man groaning in agony. He walked further into the blanket of darkness and came to the man, propped against the wall, naked, holding a wound to his right side, blood pouring out from between his fingers. The farmer didn't understand. The blood trail led here. Then it made sense. All the dead sheep in the neighboring fields, the missing children, the dead and dismembered women in the area were caused by this man, this werewolf. The man he had shot was Michael Verdung, a practitioner of the pagan religion. Skip forward four days. Michael Verdung and his partner in crime, Pierre Burgot, are on trial in Poligny for murder, among other crimes. But also, they are being tried for practicing the occult and for being werewolves. They both pled guilty and told the court of the gruesome details of the murders, including the murder of children and the mutilation of a woman in her house, leaving only her arm as evidence. Both were found guilty and as was fitting for the crime of the day, both were burned at the stake, roaring through the flames, till their dying breath, screaming that they were indeed werewolves. And that brings us to the end of another episode of 10 Podcast Lane. Now I know initially I said it would be bi-weekly, but to be honest, I think for now, because the episodes are kind of short, 
I'm going to be releasing these whenever they are ready. Could be one a week, could be two released every three days. We'll just play it by ear. Again, a big thank you to everyone who has listened and for all the great feedback. It's really, really so much appreciated. And thank you for visiting 10 Podcast Lane. Till next time.